0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first 2023 episode of the win-win podcast, Madness. Like most of you, I took off some time for the holidays and did a bunch of recording with some amazing guests to wrap up this season, as well as to kick off next season. And today, I am thrilled to launch the year with Sharon Gauci, who's the Executive Director of Design for Global Buick, GMC, GMC Homer at General Motors. We also have two phenomenal women joining me in the next two episodes after this one in honor of Black History Month in the United States and Canada. And of course, you will see many, many amazing black women in our upcoming season, and I am thrilled for you to meet them. Before I talk about today's episode, I also wanted to acknowledge that we are not living in simple times. There are so many talented people and talented innovators being laid off, and if you are in that situation or if you're feeling anxiety about your job stability, I hope you know that you are not alone and that the Women in Innovation community is here, so please do not hesitate to reach out to our leadership team, and I am also here, always available to chat via LinkedIn or email. For today's episode, I am very excited to share my discussion with Sharon Gouchy. I love this conversation for a few different reasons, one of which is that just Sharon is an amazing, amazing communicator. I could totally do a whole episode on this, but something that I'm personally working on is concise and effective communication as it pertains to complex ideas and unconventional insights because, especially at large organizations, buy-in from others is mission-critical. And Sharon is such a pro at cogently getting her ideas and concepts around design, innovation, inclusivity, and electrical vehicles across, and I learned from her a lot both as it pertains to the subject matter expertise around vehicles and the future of vehicles, as well as communications as a fundamental skill set within an innovator's toolbox. So with that, let's get into my conversation with Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Welcome to the Win Win podcast.
1: Hi, very nice to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: We're so excited to have you here. Uh, When I was doing some research on you and your fascinating background, I saw two things that particularly stood out to me for, for two different reasons, to be fair. And the first was that one of your mottos is asking about why and why not, which personally really resonates with me and is actually one of my personal mottos, too. And the second was when you were being awarded the Good Design Australia Women's Award. A stat that was shared was that in Australia, 70% of graphic design students are women, yet only 11% are creative directors, which is directly in line with the statistics we're seeing across innovation consulting, startups, and innovation at Fortune 500 companies. So as we kick it off and dive into your background, I'd really love to hear more about what you attribute to your own abilities. To beat the stats to become a global executive director of design at Buick, and the role of maybe your philosophies or musings in your career trajectory?
1: Really, really interesting opening question. So, I think, you know, it, it's interesting for me. I started this journey a long time ago. I was always creative and wanted to uh, pursue an interest in creative design. You know, as a young uh, aspiring designer, I didn't necessarily see myself in a leadership position. That is something I truly learned along the way. What is interesting to me is that the amount of women who are in creative learning roles and or in their career, just not making it to the top. And what we've been trying to understand, and certainly in my position now and in previous positions, is how do we communicate to aspiring women that they can have a successful career, that they can do everything that they love in their personal life, yet still be on a trajectory for management and leadership? And I think a pivotal thing for me was early in my career I was acutely aware that I was in a unique position for being one of the few females in in the in the automotive business. And actually, I turned that into an opportunity and really aspired to learn everything I could with a tenacious appetite. And so I early in my career established myself with proving that I was able, to do what my peers were doing, but also put myself in positions and on assignments where I could elevate myself and also get exposure to a wider network of people in the organization. And I think that is really key in that as a woman, you need to have allies who have trust in your ability and will have your back when they're sitting at the table. So I was able to demonstrate not only a an appetite for learning but over time demonstrated consistently that I was able to achieve the results of the business
0: you mentioned earlier that you initially didn't see that leadership path for yourself so if you put yourself back into your mindset at the time what were some of those reasons that you gave yourself to why that leadership path was not in the stars for you I think because
1: I was very early in my career, I had just, mm. you know, I had just entered my career straight out of college. Honestly, in my family network and in my social network, I did not have those role models that are the positive role models. I was the first in my family to go through college. I was the first in my family to get a, have a salaried profession. Uh, so I didn't grow up with the experience of having a career trajectory in business in my surroundings. So I, I, I just never saw it. Early in my career, I had the opportunities to learn about leadership, uh, learn about leadership in design. And I really, that's where I had this appetite for, okay, I'm a demonstrated designer How can I am actually interested in taking on management and leadership positions? So I made that um, visible in my reviews early in my career. The company at the time saw the potential in me and gave me the opportunities and I took them. Um, And then fortunately for me, I had um, support from my family because I'm also a mother and made a very clear decision at a point in time uh, to focus on my career, even as a a mother, and um, had the support of my family to help raise my son.
0: So it's so incredibly important. And I actually really resonate with what you're saying about the importance of role models and not to plug my own podcast in the podcast. But that's actually why I started this podcast, because I do think that voices like yours and other women that come on this podcast give others those role models. So really appreciate you saying that. But I did want to double down on something else, um, you know, that I think is a little bit of a pink elephant in the room. And I think that even in my own childhood, I distinctly remember this notion of, you know, boys playing with cars, girls play with dolls. Now, I do know that the world has since evolved, and we've, we're, we've gone past that. But what do you really attribute to your foray in the world of automotives and cars?
1: Mm hmm. So I think, um for me, I was incredibly curious as a as a child. I loved anything creative, I loved digging dirt and finding things. I love playing sport. I opened my eyes to being able to do everything and I was fortunate that nobody told me no, so I always pushed myself to try everything, discover what I love, be like everybody else and Um, I think that appetite for being curious, the appetite for trying, I much prefer to try and fail than never to have tried, um, and learn along the way was kind of key to my, is key to my DNA. And so I think just that ability for me to be able to um, be curious, ask the questions, translate this, the curious nature of, what's around me and turn that into a passion through design is is really important. I was always creative, so I did see myself as a designer in some way. At the time when I was discovering, I actually took a a year out just to build up my portfolio and discover what In creative design I wanted to do because I knew I didn't want to be a fashion designer. I knew I didn't want to be a graphic designer. So what else was there for me? And that's where I discovered industrial design. And I would say industrial design by nature is uh, well, was at the time, very much skewed towards um, males versus females. And that, again, uh, when I transitioned into automotive was reflective. I actually didn't think I would end up in the automotive business. I had more aspirations to be a true product designer and a furniture designer. I actually fell into automotive design And then when I started my career in automotive design, it was in the discipline of color materials and finishes. So this love of furniture and product, I was able to take that into the creative field of automotive design and then kind of really never fell out of love with automotive because there's so many rich experiences in this business.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I would say as not an automotive designer, even just as a consumer, I mean, there's so much to designing a vehicle and a car, whether it's the hardware, whether that's the interior design and the the leather seats or wherever it may be, um, and also the technology. I specifically work on shipping digital products. So I feel like I, I have a specific foray. But from your point of view, you know, as a designer, what are the kinds of let's call them axes, that you think about innovation when it comes to your role in designing the vehicles of the future and and the present too?
1: Yeah, I think I'm in a unique position as a leader in the design, and I'm fortunate to have responsibility for um, really three of our brands, Buick, GMC, and Hummer under the GMC brand. There are a couple of things that are really important as a leader. One is to be able to describe the vision, and and that's important because we want to be able to describe the vision of the brand, where do we see each of the brands in the future from not only a visual point of view but integrating all of the technology and everything else that has to be part of the brand to make it a truly wonderful experience for the consumer but also giving true brand separation for each of the products. And I think then also enabling the team to do their best work every day to be truly creative is um, an important element for any design leader. You know, really giving the team the foundation to be able to truly create in an environment that. There's a lot of discussion about where we need to be. There's a lot of discussion about what we can and can't do, but really kind of protecting them from all of that and enabling them to do their best work. And I think for me, there's no greater pleasure than seeing people and teens succeed in the journey of getting to that vision. What can seem to be unattainable and maybe questionable. And then seeing them take that first step and actually get there and deliver, I think, is one of the most exciting things.
0: Yeah, and there's nothing like seeing the thing you've been building and dreaming up actually launch. So I was actually curious, because as a design leader, I'm sure you work with all sorts of cross-functional partners. And I know the more senior you get, the more partners you work with across large organizations. And I selfishly wanted to ask about kind of how you collaborate with those partners, because I am on the product side. And while I went to design school, I'm not formally a designer, I am on the product side of things. Um, So we talk a lot about being design driven. But a question that I find myself asking, is it design driven or designer driven? And I definitely do think that there is some sort of delineation there. Mm. So as somebody who leads design at such a major firm, I'd love to hear your take on kind of like if you were to give advice to other people working with designers that may not be in the design field, and then giving advice to other designers that may be struggling with working with other cross-functional partners.
1: I think the first thing I'll say it is truly a collaborative process. You know, our work doesn't happen without the great, the the greater team being involved. Whether it's marketing, engineering, planning, we absolutely need every part of the business to enable the great design. And so, how how we work is very collaborative with a, a very collaborative um, approach. And I, I do talk to my team. We get things done through relationships and you talked about the difference between being design driven and the designer. You know, designers are a unique entity for any business, but very, very important because design point of views tend to be now, I think, the differentiator between all of the brands. So it's really important to understand this in business and also to cultivate the right environment for designers to thrive. The, design, the designers in our business are successful when they can collaborate, when they understand the relationships and when they get things done through relationships. And yes, of course, there can be um, all sorts of tension in the process, but when the outcome is as um, endearing to the original intent of the design, there's nothing more rewarding. Um, and I think also giving... Design is some freedom. You know, you touched on innovation. I think part of our work is to show the organization what we can do through design. So enabling concept vehicles like the Wildcat EV, um, really being able to talk to our partners about how we can enable things to make the design successful is part of our job. And taking the, the organization on the journey is part of our job. So things like um, advanced design and concept creation become really important as visual communication tools for the organization to rally
0: behind. I could not agree more. And I also really agree with this notion of tension being present. And I think we shouldn't be afraid of tension because literally the definition of a consumer insight is like that psychological tension. So I think uh, there's a lot of opportunity, but also challenges across these kinds of organization.
1: And I think that that tension actually can enable additional creativity because, you know, it's, it's asking the why and the why not. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. often that um, when, when teams come together and, and they're working to understand solutions to the problems and can, can objectively see things from different points of view, then you can get the realization of things that you weren't expecting in the first instance.
0: Yeah. And then you you do reduce groupthink. And I think it's that fine balance of creating the psychological safety for people to disagree respectfully, but also the ability to not just say yes to every idea that comes along to make people feel better. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and as you mentioned, we started touching on innovation, but I'm sure lots of people are curious to hear about kind of like your subject matter expertise, the trends that you're seeing. You mentioned um, the Wildcat EV. I know Hummer has also two different models and the electrical vehicle space. So really just curious to hear, you know, you've been in this industry for a long time and the conversation around electric vehicles is probably ongoing in the last few years too, but it's really starting to take shape and I think consumer behaviors are changing. So could you speak a little bit more to that and other trends and innovations that you're seeing in your space and in your firm as a whole?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, electrification is um, absolutely in the forefront of what we're working on we're at this we're in this interesting time right now where we're in the intersection of not only creating electric vehicles but also i um, still working on ice programs and as we're early in the process so we've been seeing the conversation around electrification right now we've been working on product because of our timeline you know a couple of a, a few years ago and so what 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 I am trying to do in my role with my teams is, we are really looking at um, what does the portfolio for each of the brands look like, and how do we satisfy our the consumer of the future? And I think what 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 we see as a trend, you know, we can talk about. Um, EV and its purpose as it relates to sustainability, but beyond that messaging, what else are we doing to enable a true and rich experience for each of the brands? So I think as a trend generally, it's going to be, and as as consumers start to adopt EVs more and EVs become um, the normal uh, state of play, I think one of the, the trends will be How do we enable richer, more meaningful and authentic experiences through our products for each of the brands?
0: For sure. And lots of people get excited about product features. But at the end of the day, consumers aren't really sold on product features. They're sold on an emotion. And so just touting electric, I definitely don't think is enough, especially where hopefully we'll be in a world where that'll be a commodity, a given and obvious. Our children will probably be saying you know how could you guys use gas, right? So mm-hmm. I think uh, it's it's definitely a changing landscape, but I'm sure that throughout your time at the company, whether it's in the EV space or in other innovation, um, you have to do a lot of work around getting buy-in. And we mentioned cross-functional partners, but innovation as a whole can be so vision-driven that people either get it or they don't. So in your own leadership how have you succeeded at getting buy-in or what are some failures that you're able to share that our listeners could really learn from?
1: I've been fortunate to have um, some big assignments and in a previous role, one of those assignments was um, transforming and look and feel of the General Motors brand and visual identity. So, um, recognizing that our outward facing visual communication for the brand is such an important touch point. And we have such um, a role to play in terms of shepherding and protecting what the General Motors brand means. It was a big assignment and a daunting task when you think about the the, the amount of global impact that that has. For sure. And I think one of the, we're, we're a big organization with many different functions Uh, as part of the assignment not only was it to create a beautiful logo but also to communicate to our different departments that we're now going to operate in this way from a corporate identity point of view and rallying the entire organization around okay there is now going to be very specific rules and regulations around what you can and can't do you know branding and corporate identity 101. Um, and a, a lot of communication, a lot of um, trying to influence behind the scenes before getting into forums where there's decision making. And I think more, it really um, what the big learning experience was being able to tell or communicate with people the vision but also the why. Why are we doing this and what does this mean for you? And I think communication in any function, in any role, in any stage of your career is critically important. If you're able to take people on that journey, um, you're more likely to get the
0: positive outcome that you need. I have often asked myself why I got a master's degree in communication where I don't want to work in PR or communications, but I do think, like you said, it's such a fundamental skill across every single function, and it's really what drives the innovation at its core. So um, really, really exciting to hear you talk about that.
1: And I realize, I just said communication is king,
0: communication is queen. I love it. Yes, win-win podcast. <laughs> no, 100%. Yeah, so before we kind of wrap things up, I'll ask just two more quick questions. And um, one is about your viewpoint on what makes innovation leadership unique. And specifically, I know you've been in the same company for many years, and I'm sure you've made critical decisions that have shaped you into the innovation leader you are today and gotten you to where you are. So any sort of, you know, philosophies or words of advice you can give to people who are really considering, let's call it, general management versus innovation management, which really is kind of a beast of its own. Mm-hmm.
1: I think um, one of the key things for me is um, allowing the freedom and the safe space to creatively push and or fail and not see the fail as a failure per se, but an opportunity to learn from. Not everything that is an idea or an opportunity is necessarily going to have all of the solutions. So to to be able to fail safely, I think, is the only way to enable innovation in any kind of organisation
0: could not agree more. And one last question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now, one year from now, and 10 years from now? Oh my gosh. One month from now is too soon. Um,
1: (laughs) uh, Really. And and because we work so far ahead, one month in in terms of time, one month for me is like a minute. So one month, one year, and 10 years. One year from now, we are going to be executing product what we've planned and what we've been working on in the past few years are going to actually come to fruition so to see that on the road um, and I think as an industry you know other uh, OEMs also talk about the EV space we'll see obviously a lot more EVs 10 years from now I hope that I am leaving a legacy that is responsible. And what I mean from that is as a female leader in this organisation, I hope that to your very first question, why aren't um, women who necessarily are studying these design careers will see themselves in leadership roles because uh, slowly there are more of us in these roles. So I think for myself, I see... For at least for 10 years, that I have a responsibility to steward a pathway that might open up doors for others that follow.
0: Amazing. And any last words on 10 years for the industry? 10 years for the industry.
1: We will be at, I guess we would have passed this intersection where we're at, where we're transforming from ICE to EV, will well and truly be in the EV space, I think as an industry, what we will be continuing to do is um, understand what EV means in that moment and taking it a step further and maybe in terms of identifying what else do we need from a product portfolio point of view. But I think the industry, um, there's been no greater change than now and I think 10 years' time there will be a a steady kind of maintenance, but a curiosity for what's next.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the normalization of social media, right? Like we're not saying that social media is novel anymore, but we're now learning how to navigate that. So hopefully that's kind of the era in 10 years. Sharon, thank you so, so much for joining me on the podcast. You seriously have so much wisdom and I'm really excited to host you today.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by WIN, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozikal. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.